getting slower about it. They weren't leaving this time. Um, what a great morning. I want to say uh, a couple of things as we get started here about um, Financial Peace University. Uh, that's something that Chris and I are going to head up. We're going to have a special preview night tomorrow night at church offices. So if you guys are thinking you're maybe not sure what, you know, you don't know what it is, if you want to do it or not, some of you have come talk to us individually as well. But we're going to have a special thing that he's put together. Just It's like a, a session in itself. So come out and check it out. There's going to be no pressure. Um, you will be blessed if you participate in this. I can guarantee that. But uh, I'll invite you to come out to church office at 6 o'clock. Is that right? And um, we also have sign-ups in the back today. We have a kit laying out. And is there anything I'm missing on this? Nothing else tomorrow night? Okay. I had instructions before I came up here. So I wanted to get that, that taken care of. For those of you who have been with us for the last, goodness, what, almost 10 weeks now, we've been uh, talking about following Jesus, walking with Jesus, this kind of real uh, down and dirty uh, look at what it would be like to follow the Messiah. And uh, I love that kind of, see that, that I love that kind of approach. Uh, I think too often we put Jesus in the white robe uh, floating in the clouds. You know, we sang a song about Christ coming again, and I guarantee it'll be a glorious day, glorious day. But you know, when he was here, this is more like what it would look like to follow Jesus. He was always touching people who were dirty. He was always inviting people to get their hands dirty. He would go up to ordinary people and he would say, come on, get your hands in here, you know. He wasn't the guy saying, stand back, let the professional handle it. That's the kind of church we're called to be, isn't it? I think if, if we're sitting here this morning and thinking, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm a mess. I got nothing. You're just the kind of person Jesus is looking for. Because all the great people, he can't hardly use them. Because they know how great they are. You know, they just, I mean, he uses them. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But, but, man, for the rest of us, we can be used by God. Don't doubt it. We've been talking through the series about the people in his life and how they kind of saw him and were amazed by him. Even his own mother and father were amazed by him. The first people he called out to follow him were amazed by him. Everyone that he ran into seemed to be beside themselves. And they would all just bring their little thing, and he would honor that. They would all just show up. You know, one of the greatest things about being a disciple of Jesus Christ is you just got to keep showing up. We talk about this as we, as we look to follow Christ in our lives and as we look to mentor people as they follow Christ. First thing we have to do if we're, if we're going to lead anyone to Christ is be following Christ ourselves. That's my great passion. If you, if you start to follow me, you're going to dead end very quickly because God is calling you into a unique walk with him. And it may or may not be following after me. And too often we're so concerned with kind of guiding people we have to always be looking to Jesus. And I feel very convicted about this morning. Always be looking to Jesus. I pray as we open the scriptures together as a family here, when you open your Bibles, I pray that you engage the text. You know, one of the greatest, some of the greatest times I've spent in worship is times that as we read the text, the preacher started to preach, and he would just fade off into this want, want, want thing that happens, you know, with Charlie Brown. And I would just engage with God because this book will change your life. And you see, I'm only passionate because that's my story. I'll be telling in the kingdom. I can't wait until I get a chance to be there. I don't know who's going to be listening because everybody's going to be talking, I think. We say, man, you, you can't believe what six chapters of Mark did for me, Lord. But I want to encourage you to get into the word yourself. Identify with these people who follow Jesus and just be willing to look at it, the truth of it, the, the grittiness of it. Don't make it all, you know, spit and polish. Because in the flaws, we can find our place. In those broken people who Jesus called, we can find our role in the kingdom of God. So we've been talking through this, and I want to talk about this kind of journey where first Jesus amazed people, and then people started to pay attention to Jesus. See, he was nobody from nowhere as far as they were concerned. We hear these great stories about his birth, but still, people didn't seem to get it. And they started to watch him, and then he invited people to participate, and this is when trouble started, right? Whenever 
Jesus allowed common folks to take part in the work of the kingdom of God. This is whenever trouble began to brew. And we've been talking then about the trouble and the tests and the traps that were set for Jesus. And I love that Jesus always evades the trap, it seems. He always sidesteps at the right moment and with grace and love. And as much as I would like him to say, he was turning to the Pharisees and saying, you're bound for hell. He was saying, come into the kingdom of heaven. In all of his little moves at the last minute, it was all about bringing them into the side of grace. But I want to back up a bit because as we've been reading this idea of Jesus' being tested and tried, he always seems to know, right? I kept saying the last couple weeks, like, who is being trapped anyway? You know, we read this story, oh, those Sadducees, oh, those Pharisees, you know, all those scribes, they were all so bad. But you know, Jesus was baiting them. One of the first things we read in Scripture is that he would come as a stumbling block to those who don't know him. You see, one of his jobs would be thrown down in front of those who were so righteous and so right on and so right answer and just make them trip all over themselves. And so you wonder who was being baited. Well, today we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about what that looks like. I wonder, you know, as we were talking this morning, Chris and I were coming in, have you ever had a, have you ever had a great day? Like a really great day, you know? The greatest day of your life, this could be it. This could be the greatest day of your life. It might have started ordinary and it just got better and better. Someone said this morning, I looked out the window, it looked glorious outside. I went into one of my son's rooms this morning because I thought they left the light on again. And it was just the sun pouring in the room. And I was just like, wow, that's so cool. Here I was going to yell at somebody and it's God just saying, wake up, it's a new day. Have you ever had the greatest day of your life turn into the most awful day of your life. I don't know if I'm like a pessimist. You know what? Maybe I am. One time a doctor asked me, are you optimistic or pessimistic? And I said, I'm realistic. He said, you're pessimistic. <laughs> so that's not fair. But you know, I like to consider myself as a realist. But you have these days sometimes where things are going so great and you just think, man, it can't get any better. And then you start to worry. The old saying, the idiom, when's the other shoe going to drop, right? And we wait for those times. Well, I got to tell you a quick story. One time, Chris and I were out on a walk. Now, Chris reminded me this morning that this wasn't a great day for her. She was kind of having a bad day anyway. But we had decided to make it a great day. She came home from work, and we went for a walk. And we were going to walk around Highland. We love Highland. We love Highland because of the sidewalks, you know. There's sidewalks everywhere. We wanted to live in town because of the sidewalks. And so we went for this walk, and we're walking. I'm saying, cheer up, babe. It's going to be a great day. This is going to be awesome. I was in a good mood that day. And we were walking along, and our kids are kind of, you know, trailing behind. And that's always a good thing when you're a parent. We want you guys with us just, you know, at a distance. <laughs> it's not that we don't love you. It's you're having a good time. But our old people have a different kind of good time. And so we're walking along, and I kid you not, we are, what, three blocks in the house. And she just screams, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And I was like, what? And I felt, I was like, what was that? And a bird had crapped. <laughs> Wait a minute. Right on her face. <laughs> and I felt like the biggest jerk for making her go on this walk. And I go, nah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. And I said, well, I did get wet, but there's not. And all of a sudden we start, oh my goodness. This bird was something else. And I thought, and I said, well, it's, it's okay. we can still walk, can't we? And she says, no, Bill, we can't still walk. I'm going home. <laughs> she was having a very bad day. Now, I have to tell you on the way home, this is a true story. I couldn't make it up. We're walking home, and I'm telling her, you know, look on the bright side, you know, and she's not seeing any bright side of this. She is very upset. By now, we've doubled back past the kids. Remember this? We doubled back past the kids, and, and uh, she's having a very bad day. I kid you not, a bird 
poops on me. <laughs> and then it made it a great day. We just started laughing and laughing. We actually started talking to God. That's funny. That's funny. But I want to talk today about how you can be having the best day of your life and it turns into the worst day of your life. But I want to say to you that nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. It's the same situation. We're going to be looking today at uh, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, if you want to turn in your Bibles. Matthew 16, verse 13. Because we're going to talk about the Apostle Peter. See, he's known as Simon until now. And it's going to be the best day of his life. Peter's best day. This is what it says in verse 13. And you're going to leave your Bibles open today because we're going to work completely from this text all day. So leave your Bibles open as we're there. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. This is what it says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Peter, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. In verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, that shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but rather the things of men. That's the whole story. Can you imagine Peter's day that day? Can you imagine? I was wondering, would it be better to see it through Peter's eyes or another disciple's eyes? Can you imagine Peter's day that day? This is the greatest day of Peter's life. And I will say to you today, this could be the greatest day of your life in the same way it was the greatest day of Peter's life. It was the greatest day of Peter's life because he confessed Jesus as the Christ. He confessed Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus as the anointed one. The greatest day in Peter's life. Do you remember when we said, when you come to Jesus and you ask Jesus a question, and he asks you a question back, you want to give the right answer? This is Peter hitting a home run here. Let's look at it again in verse 15. In verse 15, Jesus asked this question, who do people say that I am? And they give these answers. Some say, by the way, John the Baptist, remember he was beheaded, and, and, and uh, Herod literally thought he was raised from the dead. Jesus, he had come on so strong after John's uh, death. Others, Elijah. But then he says this. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, Simon Peter. It doesn't say if other people answer. It doesn't say if he yelled loud at anyone else, knowing Peter he may have yelled loudest, yelled first. But he says, you are the Christ, the anointed, the son of the living God, the Zaotheos. This is a profound response from Peter. He has said something that will change everything forever. Now, he is not the first to confess Jesus as Christ, but he's the first one who's following Jesus who confesses him as Christ. Isn't that interesting? Because before we had demons who confessed Jesus as Christ. But never one who was following Jesus. The greatest day of his life. And I want to tell you why this was the greatest day of Peter's life. Because Jesus not only says, you have answered, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because, uh, but this is what he says, what was revealed to you was not given by man but from my Father. How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? I'll tell you how. Pater hemon, ho entois uranois. He said, our Father, the one who's in heaven, this is how you pray. And when Peter gives this answer this day, 
He doesn't give the answer that's common knowledge among men. He hadn't heard us being whispered among the disciples. When Jesus says, how about you? Who do you say that I am? He says, the Christ. And Jesus says, wow, you've been talking to my dad. This is the right answer. Big time. Pater, Oronois, is exactly who Jesus says has revealed this to Peter in verse 17. And then in verse 18, check it out. And I tell you now that you are Peter Petros. You see, this is such a great day. Peter gets a new name. We say that when we meet Jesus, we are a new creation. Peter gets a new name through this answer. Jesus says, I will call you Petros. Wow. Ow, I want to know what my new name is. I feel like a new person. I just want to know what my new name is. You know? What's your new name when you confess Christ? He gives him a new name. It's a big day for Peter. And then Jesus says this in verse 18. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this Petra, I will tell you you're Petros, and on this Petra, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Jesus says, not only do you get a new name today, but I am going to build my church. Guess what? First time in the Gospels, one of two times in the Gospels, that this word is given to Jesus. Ecclesia. That's who we are. We are built on this great day of Peter's. Isn't that amazing? But I want to take a break for a second. Because who is Jesus building this church on? Because he says, you're, you're Peter and on this rock. It's a play on words. You're Petros and on this Petra. But what is Jesus building his church on? Some say he's building his church on Peter. That's why you have St. Peter's cathedrals. That's why you have these this idea that Peter was the first apostle, that Peter was the greatest. You have Paul going to Peter when he has problems with his doctrine. You see, Peter was important, and everyone knew it. But there's this other idea that Jesus will build his church on the confession of him as Christ. And see, that has a lot more impact for us. I'm not saying he's not building on Peter. I think it's kind of a false dichotomy to split those up. He's building on Peter because Peter's confessed him as the Christ. But for us, he builds his church on the one and only confession of as him, of him as Messiah. Do you hear what I'm saying? He is building his church on this. And the church is mentioned here. The church, ecclesia, Ek means out, to be out of something. And you could ek out of anything. You can ek out of this building when we're done here today. Okay? You're going to go out. But you know what it means? Kelesia means the one who is called. So Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my group of people who are called out on this. You ever been called out on something? I always have that as a negative thing. Someone calls you out on something, I'm calling you out. Go look out. You know, who's around? But we have been called out by Jesus. And that's what he's doing to Peter here. And that's what he does to all of us. This confession that you make, why do we have public baptisms? Because this is not between you and God. If you confess Jesus as Christ, it's between you and the world that you live in. Do you understand that? This is not about you anymore. You have no right to keep this in. We love the guy who was healed because he couldn't keep his mouth shut, but you don't have a right to keep this to yourself anymore. You have to confess it. You were called out. Out of the world to witness to the world. It's a big day for Peter. Verse 18, the third part of this, there's three parts. New name. I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is a big deal to me. I always wanted, I'm going to say this here, okay, maybe. Um, I always wanted uh, 
to have a church van with, with letters in reverse in the front. I wanted a black church van with, with flames on it whenever I was a youth pastor. And I wanted reverse letters like the ambulances have on the front of it. And I wanted to say, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So when you saw us coming up behind you, you're like, oh, Lord. <laughs> These people are serious. I tell you why it matters to me. Because the church too often acts like the gates of hell are attacking us. Do you know that? Do you know what the idea of the gates, the word gates here is? It's the gate built into the wall. This thing doesn't move. It's the gate, it's the gate of a prison. That's the gate that will not prevail. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means as ones who are called out, that gate, the gates of Hades, will not stop us. It will not stop us. And some of us, I went to a Promise Keepers thing a few years ago. They said storm in the gates was the thing, right? You guys remember that at all? Storm in the gates, storm in the gates, right? This idea, we're going to bust into hell. I'm not sure if he's talking about busting in or busting out. But either way, the gates don't work. You see? It's one of the tragedies of the church. Oh, what are we going to do? How can we move? God says the gates of hell will not prevail against you. You go right through them. You go right through them. That's big news. Big news. It's a big day for Peter. The idea of Hades wasn't exactly hell. It's this lower, we were talking about this under, this unworthy authority. It's this lower realm. And he says, the gates that have been trapped you in this lower realm will no longer contain you if you are confessing Jesus as Christ. He promises Peter. And then he gives him the keys. And he says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Basilea Uranos. Again, the place where your father is. The kingdom is not so much a place. You're not getting, we always have the idea of Peter at the, at the gate, the pearly gate with the keys, the golden keys on his belt, you know. If he's there when I show up, I'm not going to complain, okay. But the idea of the kingdom isn't so much a place as it is a right to rule. It's a, a right of authority that we're going to give you the ability to open and shut the authority of heaven, the expanse. I don't even know how Peter could get his head around all this stuff when Jesus was saying it. And I know for me it was a big deal when my parents gave me the keys to the car, you know, the keys to the house. I was like in the sixth grade, if I got a key to the house, I couldn't be trusted, you know. Keys to the car. You if you are confessing Christ, I've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. It even says the things that are bound on earth will have been bound in heaven. That's what the literal translation is there. The things that are made loose on earth will have been loosed on heaven. It is a mission statement, if you will. He's saying, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not stop you any longer. I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom. To loose and to bind. That's a lot of responsibility. This is what Jesus says. You see, if this isn't a good day for Peter, I don't know what is. If this isn't a good day for you as a Christian, I don't know what is. And I will tell you, if you've gone to that place with the Messiah, and if you've said, I acknowledge you. You are the anointed. You are the holy one. We talk about the mountains and the trees and the valleys and everything. We believe as Christians, everything will return to God. I was doing a summer camp this summer, and someone asked me at the end, they said, they asked me this, when are you going to actually, I think Chris asked me this, when are you going to actually preach? We were in Colorado at a, at a, kid, a youth camp there. When are you going to preach? Because we've been kind of these fireside chat things where we were kind of just sitting in a circle talking through scriptures. And I said, haven't you heard it? Everything around us is preaching the glory of God. Everything around us is raising itself up to the heavens. Everything is proclaiming the message. And even us, we want to hear it this way. Why aren't you saying these words? Why aren't you acting this way? So I preached, <laughs> didn't I? But I felt like my voice was just a drop in the bucket compared to the world around us. We believe that all things are returning to God. 
that this kingdom of heaven that Jesus has opened up is pouring down and we are rising up and there's this meeting right here, right now. You know this idea of what is bound on earth? It's the land under our feet. Jesus wasn't talking about some land when Jerusalem comes down from heaven. He's saying the things that you bind here will have been bound. We are doing things with eternal consequence. And I hope you know that. Eternal consequences, not just for us, but for everyone around us. We have authority in this place. And then Jesus says this. He sternly warns them in verse 20. Do not tell anyone I am the Christ. Now, I don't understand why Jesus does this. He tells the guy who's healed, don't tell anyone. He tells Peter, who must be having the best day, right? Don't tell anyone else. But things have been revealed to you that, that men have longed for. That the Old Testament, the people who wrote that book, were just waiting for this day. But don't tell anyone, Jesus says. And from that time on, it says that Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he has to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And this is where the story shifts. And now I want to remind you that we are before all the testing and the trials when Jesus is saying this in the scriptures. Talk about the context. This is all before the stuff we've been talking about. And Jesus tells Peter and the disciples some of his most intimate knowledge. You see, when, G when Peter professes Jesus as Christ, he begins to open up a bit. He begins to let them in. They thought doing the work was the big deal. He starts to tell them things that are amazing but difficult. We call it hard teachings. And Peter's response is, is, is understandable. But Jesus starts to confide in him and in them. And in verse 21, I want you to notice in verse 21, who's involved with the conspiracy that Jesus knows beforehand. He says this, I will go into Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, right? We know these people, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. I'm going to go back here to the Greek because we did it last week. The presbytos, those who were overseers, the first of the priests, and the grammateus, right? Those who are experts, the lawyers. These are the same ones, as you read the Gospels, who are trying to trap Jesus, trying to trap Jesus, sending the Pharisees in, trying this, trying that. And they think they got the drop on him. And here's Jesus saying to Peter, these are the guys that will kill me. Remember the hunt we talked about? Jesus knew what he had to do. The traps they laid for him were maybe a smaller part of the big trap he laid for them. You know what I'm saying? Listen to what's predicted. Suffering, death, and wait a minute, resurrection. Right there in that spot, Jesus tells Peter and his disciples, it's not just that I'm going to go and suffer and die, but I'm going to be raised again. And I'll tell you the word raised there, it's a big deal, because it's the same word that Jesus has been telling people when they are sick, when they are, when they are uh, incapable. He's been coming in, we talked about having as one who has authority, and he's been saying to them, arise, get up and walk. It's the same word Jesus is predicting for himself. This behavior he's been modeling is the same stuff he will go through. I don't know how he understands that. I don't know, I mean, I don't know how he fully understands that when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, he would be called out of a tomb. I don't understand how he understands that when he told the, the sick child to get up, he would be told, get up after the cross. But he knew what he was here to do. And he gives us all three parts of the story. And then Jesus explains this to them. It says there, I want to go back to it real quick. In verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples the, that he must go to Jerusalem. Now, it's interesting because our words don't do justice to the text. It's actually him showing them. It's very much a literal with their eyes. From that time on, he started to show them the things that would happen. He started to display for them the things that would happen. It wasn't just that he sat down and said, listen, guys, this is what's going to happen. He began to model the behavior of what would happen. He began to show them how the kingdom would come about. Now, here's the kicker. So Peter's having the best day of his life, right? Best day of his life. And I'm not going to say this is one literal day, but we're going to read it that way. 
because I think it has something to teach us as we follow Jesus. Peter, in verse 22, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> no, no, no way, Lord! Right? That's almost like a, 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 a misnomer if there was one. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely not ruler of my life. <laughs> you know, Peter's getting it out of order a little bit. No, 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 Lord. It will never be that way for you, Peter says to Jesus. I am convinced with full conviction. You see? Because he's Petros, the one who confessed the Christ. And when Jesus says, I got plans, he says, no way are we going that way, Lord. You know what it says? It says he went over and he took him by the hand and he said, come this way. I'm not going to bring you up here. <laughs> that would be awesome. But that's what it means. It means literally Jesus is teaching these things, and Peter took him by the wrist. This is what the Greek means, as if to lead. Wait a minute. You see what's happening with Peter? Because you might think Jesus' response is a little severe when he responds. But you're Jesus. Come on, Peter. Peter's getting ahead of him, isn't he? Peter is so convinced that he knows where we're going. He says, come here, Lord. I, come, 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 come. No way are we going to the cross. No way are you going to die. I got it figured out. And this is Jesus' response. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God but the things of men. He goes from Peter the rock to Peter the stumbling block. You see how it works? He goes from Peter, who I'm going to build my church on this, to Peter, who is Satanus, the adversary of God. What a day. If you think the first day was the best day of Peter's life, this has to be the worst. No. We know Peter. This won't be his worst day. But it's got to be so devastating. Can you imagine what it looked like? They're all in the room. Jesus is talking, and Peter goes over and says, i got to talk to you a minute. And he's feeling kind of privileged, isn't he? Walks over. I, I think you got this wrong, the whole cross thing. And Jesus rebukes him, obviously in front of other people, because if you were Peter, I don't think I'd write this down. <laughs> you know, Someone heard this conversation where he says, get behind me. You know what it says Jesus did? It says he turned. Look at your Bibles. It says, Jesus turned and said, and if you think that's just there by coincidence, that would be incorrect. Because these little things that change in scriptures, you see him, Lego, 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 right? Jesus is saying, 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 and all of a sudden he turns and says. It's this idea that Jesus was going somewhere, and he had to stop what he was doing and turn around and look at Peter and say, what are you thinking? Get behind me. It's to be one who is under his authority, not in front of Jesus. And I only mention this to you because I think we have a problem. I think too often we are so convinced we know where God is going that we get ahead of God. I think as Christians, we take Jesus by the wrist and we put him, you know, the idea of Jesus in your pocket. Yeah, I know Jesus is my Savior. Oh, come on, we got some cool stuff to do. No, no, no. 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 You are always behind Jesus. I don't care if you confess Christ when you were six years old, you were always behind Jesus. I don't care if you've gone to seminary and you've got two doctoral degrees, you were always behind Jesus. We do not take our Lord by the hand and tell him where we're going. That's not how it works. And if you do, you'll be rebuked. Maybe very publicly. Peter, from the building block to the stumbling block. What a dichotomy. But I want to say this. You see, it's the same Peter. We can't doubt that for a minute. And if you've been that guy, you've been that gal who's gotten ahead of Jesus and said, I know we're going, I know we're going, I know we're going. And then Jesus kind of just like let you hanging. I'm not going that way. I'm sorry. It was never my plan. I'm going this way. That's okay. But you've got to get back under his authority and back under his rule. 
You see, our confession of Jesus Christ does not entitle us to speak truth. It does not entitle us to say it, and it happens. It entitles us to speak to God and listen for God. And there's a difference. Because too many people get carried away with this idea that I say it and it's true. I say it and it's true. Now, what God says is true. And we can only know that if we're listening to him. It reminds me of something. I was thinking, how can I literally get a real, real uh, earthy feel for what it means to be a, a building block or a stumbling block? You know? And then this word kept coming up in the text, Lego, Lego, Lego. That's what it means. I, he said, he said, he said, Lego. See, those of your parents are like, yeah, I, you know, Legos, you know. Because my kids, they think Legos are building blocks, right? But, but they just dump them all over the floor, all over the stairs. And I tell you, if you walk, they're not very big, but if you walk on them, you stumble, right? Because you just, oh, ah, oh, what are you doing? Pick up your mess. And all I want to say by this little Lego thing is that the same Lego, you see, Peter's the same rock. And the difference if he can be a stumbling block or a building block is if he's in the hands of Jesus Christ. That's the difference. If they're laying all over the floor, discombobulated, not giving themselves over to their owner, to their master, to their Lord, as Peter says himself, no, no, no way. You who I say rules everything in my life. What's Peter doing? He's not being a block for building, you know. He thinks more of himself than he ought to. That's the difference. So my question today for you, as you walk, is are you being a building block for the kingdom of God or a stumbling block for those who are seeking him? And I think it could be day to day. I think we have to be on guard. I tell you what I think. I think every day we should start our, our prayer like this. Lord, I really want, I really want this, I want that. If that's what you pray. And that's, that's cool, because we have those things. Let them be known to God. But then say this, but use me today however you see fit. Do your will in my life. And then whatever comes, I will praise you. Because you know no matter how your day goes, God will be building you day by day into his church and to those who are called out. As Matt and the worship team come up, I'm going to ask a couple of questions of you all who are here today. I want to say that, first of all, for those of you who do not know Jesus Christ, this is the greatest question you'll ever answer. If you ever watch the History Channel, Discovery Channel, anything on TV, it's the greatest question they're all asking. And it's this, who do you say that I am? And you can get plenty of looks and plenty of a feel for what other people say who they say Jesus is. But until you answer that, that question in your soul, I pray you have no peace. I pray you have no peace until you answer that question in your soul. You've got to make a decision. I was listening to NPR this week, I'm talking about moments of decision, moments of clarity, and you have them. And I don't believe they happen here at Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock on our schedule. I think there are moments in your life you can choose in that moment who you believe Jesus is. And those days when we're off for a walk and something happens to us and we feel so put upon, in that moment we have a right to choose, is Jesus Christ still Lord of my life now or not? And if he is, your response is different than if he isn't. Who are you in that moment? If you have never answered that question, Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? He is not interested in public opinion polls. He is not interested in the news coming around. He's not interested in America coming to righteousness. He is interested in you responding to the question, who am I to you? And then I have a second question that's like it. And it's the greatest challenge we face as Christians. And it's this. If you say to Jesus Christ, if you dare say with your lips, you are the Christ, you are the anointed, you are the son of the God who is not dead but alive, still to this day that's true. And the question for you is, 
do you live like it? Every day, does your life look like one who believes that Jesus is the son of the living God? I'm going to invite you to respond to God today. We have this conversation every Sunday. God is present. He's present right where you are. If you want to come talk to me or talk to one of the, 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 uh, the leadership team here, we would love to pray with you. We are people who've been on this walk ourselves. Someone said, Todd said earlier, it was those of us who a few weeks ago were the same way, a few months ago, a few years ago were in the same boat. We will pray with you not to convince you because we can't convince you, but that God would convince you in your heart that you are his child and his son is your savior. I want to invite you to respond today to the living God.
to God, but the good news uh, for those of us who are hard of heart is that it's always the right time. My testimony is anything. It's at that moment, that moment you're ready to turn. He's right there. I pray that moment comes for you. I want to say a couple things, and then we're going to have Warren come up for a minute. I want to say, if you're a first-time worshiper or today, God bless you. I'm so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. Uh, we pray and long um, that we would have new folks come and join us. And if that's the case, um, I want to say a couple things. We need all of you to fill out your connection cards. You haven't done that yet already. You need to do that. You're going to have some time here. Fill out your connection cards at the bottom of your thing. And uh, for the first-time guests, if you'll bring those to the back table, you can put them in the joy boxes. And we have a gift for you on the back table. It's a little book by Andy Stanley. We'd love for you to grab that on the way out. Even if you don't want to talk to anybody, just grab it and take it with you. That's totally cool with us. That's just our way of saying thanks for coming today. Um, joy boxes are in the back. Regular tithes and offerings. For those of us who are on board and on mission with this church, you can seek out the green boxes for those things. I'm going to ask uh, Warren to come up now and share with us for a moment. Got a couple things for you. Um, Bill, stay up here. Did you notice? Did you notice on the back of the uh, the giving for last week? Praise God. Amen. And, and and you know, I, I sit here and think we should be able to do that every week, okay? Because if we were doing that every week, wow, what can what can we do to serve this community with that? You know, I, we wouldn't be meeting here. We, we'd probably have a place of our own. But with that said. We have a working budget that uh, we're adhering to. We've done some great things to uh, cut some expenses and, and, and those things. The other thing we've done is, and, and we're stepping out on faith here as leadership, and, and from our town hall meeting, we got a great affirmation of this, is we're bringing Bill and Chris, because Chris, you're, you're part of this too, because you're his wife and all, on full time. What a journey it's been. And, and, and we all sit here, and I know you guys see it too, just, just thinking how God has, has brought this guy to us as our teaching pastor. And, and what a neat journey it's been to see it and be a part of it. And, uh, and we just we thank you for that. But with that said, we're taking that step of faith because we're going to need the extra funds to support their family. Bill turned in his two weeks at Greenville College on Friday. So he starts two weeks. Um, so we are going to be doing this next week also. We're going to be making this announcements for those people that aren't here. But it's up to us to take care of these guys. Not only these guys, that guy right back there too, because he's full-time also, and our secretaries. And by us doing that, one, it's biblical. We're supposed to give. Two, wow, supporting this community, supporting, growing this community, growing this congregation for Christ. That's what it's about. So that's what I bring to you. Welcome. Back to you, sir. We're going to be, uh, we're making a big deal of this. I know you don't want it to be made a big deal of, but we're going to publicly install them, whatever you want to call it, on the 30th. And uh, so it's going to be a great, great time of just welcoming their family. And we're looking forward to that. We're excited. Hey, just a couple more things before we get out of here. Um, on the bottom of your purple um, announcement sheet, there's a little ticket you can tear off if you need one. Um, tonight at 6.30, we're renting the Cordy Rec Center out for two hours, like you saw in the announcements. Uh, the big thing is, this is great for all of us just to be together and have fun. But more importantly, we want to reach out uh, and use this for an opportunity to invite your neighbors, invite your friends. Find somebody you know would love to go to this and uh, give them a ticket. They don't have to have this ticket to get in, but it's just a good little reminder of when and where. There's some more of those on the back table that are yellow. Also, on this one, uh, on the bottom here, oops, that's upside down. Um, yeah, like we had mentioned, fill all that out. That'd be great. There's a little checkbox that says, sign me up for family groups. And I want to I talk about this for just one second. Um, when, when the church first started, you remember, those who were here, remember the buzz that was going around this place when if everything was small group, small group, small group, some awesome, awesome stuff was happening in small groups. We have, we have three, um, three small groups that meet now regularly and some women's and men's studies as well. 
But we want to we grow this. We want to give everybody an opportunity to plug in somewhere. And so what we're doing is coin, coining these things family groups uh, because it's, the whole design is for families to get together sometime during the week and uh, just have biblical community. If you want to see the kind of community we're talking about, look in Acts chapter 2. At the end of ch- chapter 2, it talks about they met together in the temple courts. They met together for corporate worship like this, but then they also met together in their houses, and they broke bread together, and they, they were just family together. So um, the 30th, we're, we're going to launch family groups, and you're going to see about more of this in the next couple of weeks, but we want to kind of get an idea of, of the involvement, of who's interested in doing this, so we know how many leaders, how many families uh, groups we're going to need. So if you haven't turned this in yet, if everybody would, if you're, um, when you turn them in, if you are interested in becoming or being a part of a family group, just check that little box. We're not going to sign you up for, for one automatically and say you have to be in this group. This week, all we're trying to do is get an idea of how, how big of, uh, of a thing this is going to be among our body. So if you do that, would be great. Bill? Cool. Um, I, w- I would also say, uh, so all of you can go ahead and check that now. You want to be in a family group. Uh, because our idea, our, our goal is to get everyone involved. Uh, we really want everyone involved with it. Just, not, not to, just so that you can have that connection. Because some of us have it and some of us don't. And it's a real, it's a real um, blessing for those of us who participate week in and week out. Um, all right. Brothers and sisters, may you know that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And may we also live our lives accordingly. And all of God's people said, Amen.